the Onyx Pathcast. I'm this week's host, Danielle Lozon, and today I have with me my colleagues, Matthew Dawkins. Greetings. And Dixie Cochran. What did you just say, Matthew? Greetings. Oh, oh I, I thought you said something in, like, German. I had no idea what the hell you said. For well, it could be. It was my Sean Connery, and he was known for his strong German accent. <laughs> his Scottish accent? <laughs> yes. Uh, his his Highlander was famously Greetings, Connor McLeod. I just didn't even parse it as a word when you said it. Does it go to talk? I didn't Connor think it McLeod. was that. I thought you were just saying a random ass word. <laughs> Off to a great start. Okay, yeah, so start. good. Um, so <laughs> this this week we're talking about, let's get to the point and then we can keep talking about Matthew's horrible accent. Uh, well, this week we are talking about freelancing in the tabletop RPG industry. It's been a while. Uh, it has been a while. Things ha- I think the industry has kind of, the face of the industry has kind of changed a little bit and what freelancing is and best practices for freelancing. And so sometimes it's good to like update the conversation a little bit. Yeah, um, I think if you listen to our episode on this from like well before... Danielle was even involved. Um, it was I I, I want to say it was pre-pandemic. Uh, we talked about like how to get into freelancing. So we had advice about you know meeting people at conventions. Yeah, not everyone it, wow. does anymore. No, yeah, that it's it's much different now. Yeah, it honestly, is. and harder and easier in different ways. So let's get into that and i'm sure we'll have asides and tangents and stuff but i, I the prompt for this this week i was seeing people chatting once more about industry rates and i'm not going to talk a whole lot about the rate you should be accepting if you're getting into freelance because once you've got your foot in the door then you can start Looking at companies and having a little bit of a portfolio allows you to have a little more leverage on mm-hmm. bargaining and pricing and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm I'm not going to tell you to just accept whatever crappy rate anybody throws at you. Like if somebody's saying, "Hey, I'll I'll pay you a penny a word if you write my, you know, editorial magazine or whatever." Like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. So to you're yourself. saying two pennies is fine. No, I'm not actually. I'm going to rewrite the Mary Poppins song to be Tuppence a word. Yeah. <laughs> That's a word. Uh, I only work for a shilling a word, miss. <laughs> I don't even know what a shilling is. Oh, I'll work for a shilling and sixpence for you. Is, 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 what is it? Is shilling five cents? Bob's your uncle, Mary Poppins. Hey. <laughs> Fucking answer me. <laughs> <laughs> Up those apples and pears. Whoop de doo. I can't, I'm afraid. I've fully entered Dick Van Dyke. Yes. <laughs> what? Okay. You want me to actually answer your question? Because I, actual I old... So, British currency was a fucking mess when we talk about things like shillings oh, and pounds, whatever. Okay, so... <laughs> so, at the time, a shilling was worth 12 pennies and a yes. pound was 20 shillings. Mm. But That in- is... The what? decimal currency system that we use now, a shilling, would be five pence. <laughs> it's okay. not even, uh, it doesn't even equate to imperial measurements. Uh, yeah, exactly. none of it makes any sense. So it wasn't even, was it based on weight? Um, like the weight of the coin? Well, initially, yes. But Listen, obviously, 
All you need to know is that a guinea was worth a pound and a shilling. A half sovereign is ten shillings. A crown is five. A florin is two shillings. Sixpence is six pennies. And a groat was worth four pennies. This is all very important currency information. And if you think that horse is going to win the derby, put a monkey on it. So I'm just going to say that a groat, <laughs> you said a groat was four yes, pence? it was four pennies. Okay, but groat is literally the best name for currency, so please only pay me in groats for the rest of my life. <laughs> you wouldn't call it four pence, you'd say fourpence. Like a comeuppance? Yeah, yeah, that is exactly it. Um, like tuppence. Uh, as Ruppence. as Dixie said, tuppence, tuppence a bag. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Well, you know, the, this is the, these are the rates I get paid in in the RPG industry, and I demand that companies make that conversion for me because I cannot do it myself. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. No. I I I once found some like I. I, I like looking for really random books in used bookstores, especially if they're quite old. Sure. Um, and talking about things that I would understand. And I, I, I found a book once that I, I, I wish I had purchased that had like maths problems for children in the UK from like the 30s or 20s. Maths maybe. problems is just counting. Uh, and, yeah, it like did have a lot of these like, how much is this worth in this? If a shilling is worth you know, 12, 10, like I was like, Jesus Christ, what kind of fucked up system is this? If a shilling is worth 12 pennies and you get on the train at Bristol that's travelling at 60 <laughs> miles per hour. Uh, <laughs> how much would a bag of gobstoppers cost you? Anyway. Trick question. They were never released. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> if you thought gobstoppers were available on the Bristol Express, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> We lied to you. They were only available in Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway. Also, as a freelancer, sometimes you do get to research things like the history of British mm -hmm. currency. Yes, yes. My, my Google search history is wild. <laughs> da Danielle went into this episode with su such high hopes, and I suspect her head is now in her hands. And... No, actually, I think this is lovely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my high hopes were that we would be able to dispense some wisdom to our listeners, and I believe that this is part of that wisdom. Yeah. So, what what were the things that you saw being said that kind of led you to wanting to do this? That's 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 where we got off track. So, a couple of things have occurred in my life this week. Um, I mean, around this week, the week we recorded, which was last week, just to confuse the listeners. Oh yes, uh -huh. yes, last week. Yes, half a shillings days ago. Yeah. <laughs> six pence ago. Six six a pence ago. Six I don't know. Six, six pence ago. Six pence and a groat. It would be six <laughs> pence, yes. Yeah, six pence ago. A fortnight ago. Uh, Nothing wrong with the word fortnight. We still use fortnight it. Fortnight makes sense. That's a two-week period. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, at some point in time in the history of my life, that was recent. I, I had a couple of things kind of converge into I'd really love to talk about freelancing and best practices for freelancing because I have been experiencing non-best practices and best practices Ooh. in equal measure. Um, I'm not going to name any names or call anyone out or anything like that. Uh, that's, that's not what I'm here for. What I'm here for instead is to dispense education to anybody who's new and upcoming wanting to freelance for a company any company whether it's us or anyone else 
um, how to approach that, how to, how to come into that and what to expect and, you know, things like how to negotiate, how to, how to comport yourself, things like that. So the, the, the inciting factors were, uh, working with some freelancers who were new to me. And so did not necessarily know my standards or expectations, uh, even though I conveyed them. And yeah, that's, 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 that's one thing is that everybody I've worked with at Onyx Path, and that's, this is the main company I've written for, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've done editing for other places, but I get a lot fewer expectations with editing. They send me a thing and they go, edit this. And here's right. a style guide that I go, cool, thanks, bye. Um, but when it's writing, like, Eddie and Matthew and I, I, I don't, I've not directly written for you, Danielle, but I'm, I'm assuming yeah, yeah. that you work the same way. Is, is that they send out a thing that is not only the outline, but is like, here's a couple of pages of what I expect from you. Yes, and yes, my, yeah. It's, it's really helpful to like I am, I am a person who, especially because of my neurodivergence, having incredibly clear instructions makes me so much less anxious. Mm. Like I would rather have too, like almost too many <laughs> expectations of like I like. Talk, talk to me here about this. Please look up this thing. Please read this. Please make sure you read this in its entirety. Uh, please don't overuse X word because I've been getting tired of it because I see it all the time. Like, I know that in later Pugmire books, Eddie was like, we've had too many ants and spiders as bad guys. <laughs> let's let's make some more creatures up. Just like little stuff like that is really useful. But the main thing of being like, here's how I want you to communicate. Uh, please let me know as soon as possible if you need an extension. Like, all, all, all that stuff is really helpful. Because it lets you know that, you know, an extension is possible, but you should ask as soon as you might need one. And, oh, you know, Matthew dislikes overuse of the word that. So I should maybe do a, you know, control F in my drafts when I'm done and see how many times I used it. I've eased up up on it a little since. I know you have, partially because of me going like, no, it needs to be there sometimes. Just find and replace all that's with which. No, no, (laughs) they do different things. No, no. No. Yeah, that 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 <laughs> is absolutely fine. If you find and replace them with comma space witch, then go oh. for it. Fill your boots. No, no. Uh, <laughs> it, that they they mean different things. Uh, I, I'm oh, telling no. you, listeners, that that is absolutely fine. It's not. Comma, it's not. Which is absolutely fine. Yes. No. No. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm gonna go have an apoplexy while y'all keep recording the episode. I'll be I'll be in the corner. Amazing. Uh, no, don't do that. Um, so, I think so you mean don't do comma witch. <laughs> <laughs> or if, if it was if it was my development style, don't do. Full stop. What? Because we like to remove the word that. Not Just don't do. Exclamation point. <laughs> Interrobing. Oh, no. <laughs> We were supposed to be giving advice to freelancers. Not, Instead, not you're trying just ruining to ruining my day. They were trying to give Dixie an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were saying about expectations, Daniel. Expectations, yes. So generally, and this is a thing, right? So if you're if you're looking to freelance and you write to a company, and the company has not conveyed expectations to you, that may be a problem for you because one of the things that we try to do is put all of our, you know, we allow cold submissions. Uh, 
at any point in time, you can go on our website, you can follow the submission guidelines and you can submit to us. That doesn't mean we're always looking for freelancers the moment you submit. That means that you may not hear from us for a hot minute. And we convey that in our, in our website. We tell you, if you don't hear back, that's, it doesn't mean we didn't get it. It doesn't mean that we didn't like it. It means that maybe whatever you submitted for, we're not hiring for right now, or we are not going to hire for for a minute. And if you only submitted for one game line, maybe it's not a game line we're working on right now. And so you may not hear from us. Um, if you submit something and it's not up to snuff, I'll tell you, it's not as bad as it used to be. And by bad, I mean, we're not getting as many submissions as we used to, but we were getting multiple submissions a week, every week. It's very hard to take the time to read through your submission and send you feedback and tell you, hey, this isn't up to snuff and this is the reason why. Don't expect that to happen for any company. Mm -hmm. Just like applying for any other job, you may never hear back. Yeah. That's unfortunate, cold, hard truth. We don't have the time and energy to even just send a rejection email to every person who submits. Also, because our submissions get sent to the developers at, at large so they can all look it over, it might be that, you know, one developer isn't super impressed, but another one is like, oh, I think they could do really great work on X game line. Right. Um, and like put them in kind of your back pocket for the next time that game line pops up, right? So right. it might be you're not getting hired right this second because we don't just like hire people as a freelancer. We hire them on specific projects, right? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, so maybe you submitted for Exalted and the team was like, eh, I don't know. But then the Scion developer was like, oh, I actually really like this person's work. Like, let's let's see if they want to work on Scion next time that we have a new Scion book, which might be months from now, you know? So it may be a, a matter of like, you might hear from us six months later going, hey, you said you're interested a while back. Are, are you still interested? I have a project that you might want to work on, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard because... You really need to send in a submission that sings. And so I can see spending a lot of time agonizing about sending it in, and then you send it in, and then you don't hear anything back, and you're just like, oh, I suck. Oh, everybody hates me. And then you don't ever submit again. And that's also, that yeah, that's also <laughs> like, don't do that because I will say that if you submitted early 2023, and I am hiring for something that has like a hundred people have submitted for that same project since you submitted a year ago. I may not even get to your submission before I find a good submission from the list of submissions. Mm. Um, because it's so far in the past that I'm, you know, I found somebody first. If you, don't hear back and it's a project that you're not seeing a lot of movement on in the sense that like, no, we're not announcing a whole lot of new projects for Trinity Continuum Aberrant. Then maybe try resubmitting for a different game line that we are doing, you know, oh, I'd like, let's change this over to Scion. Let me yeah. resubmit and do a Scion submission instead. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, anecdotally, uh, after all, that's the most of our source of knowledge. 
uh, given that we've all worked in this industry now for several years, uh, I like a great deal of people who end up working at Onyx Path. My first love was Vampire the Masquerade early on. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was the game I really wanted mm -hmm. to work on. And so when 20th anniversary came out, I started thinking, oh, I could, I could maybe write a small thing or other. And so that was what I was pitching for. And it quickly became apparent that I, I wasn't going to get hired. Uh, and it's funny, you said, um, you know, you might sit back thinking your work sucks. That The cold hard truth is, when it's your first ever submission, or even your third submission, you've not had a developer go through your work and redline it and give you advice and mentorship or anything like that, your work probably does suck to a degree. It doesn't mean you're mm -hmm. the worst writer in the world, it just means you're unpolished mm -hmm. and you haven't had the experience that you might need. And so I was sending these pictures in, and I know it's a story I've told several times, and this isn't a cast-iron guaranteed route of getting hired by any means. I don't know that many people who have. But I realized that what I needed was to learn. I needed to learn how to write before I could get hired. And so that's why I ended up <clears throat> selling a bunch of books so that I could afford the consulting developer tier on Book of the Worm uh, for Werewolf 20. And what I did with that opportunity wasn't, I didn't go in thinking I'm going to get to write something for this book, even though ultimately I did. I went in thinking the developer on this book is Stu Wilson, uh, who no longer works with us, but I don't think anyone would disagree. He's a fantastic developer. Absolutely um, wonderful. And I thought, and I knew that from being on the forums, from, uh, I guess, I just, I had heard about it by word of mouth. Stu Wilson was an exacting, but uh, very solid developer. And so my thinking was, going on Book of the Worm, that I would get a chance to see how Stu Wilson redlined and the kind of feedback Stu would give to authors and that I would learn essentially by proxy, by sort of slinking around in the background as a consulting developer. And so I used what I learned from that to then make a pitch for not Vampire, but Mummy the Curse, because Mummy was another game I was really into. It had only just come out. Mm -hmm. and, and I knew, because I had checked the schedule, that there were several source books lined up for it. So I thought, okay, why not pitch for a game, as you said, Danielle, that is being supported, as opposed to one that doesn't have a massive raft of releases. And so, yeah, I pitched for Mummy the Curse, and I got hired based on that submission. So my, and I know that this, I imagine this podcast will probably be all over the place in terms of uh, a chronology of how you do things, but mm -hmm. I, I really strongly advise people to try and get their work read to receive feedback and for that one of the best tools you have is things like the story path nexus uh canis minor uh places where you can put effectively what is a submission out into the world and sometimes you'll get blistering reviews but sometimes you'll get good ones and sometimes reviewers are a great way of seeing what works and what doesn't especially in forums mm -hmm. and discord spaces 
Yeah, um, you could even send out like comp review copies to yeah. people in exchange yeah. for a review. Exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, that was my my uh, brief tangent. Sorry about that. No, but I don't think that's a tangent. Honestly, I don't think that's a tangent. I think that's actually really sound advice. You know, your experience was different from mine, but the overall broad spectrum of things isn't in the sense that my very first, I was lucky enough that my very first submission was accepted and I got hired onto the game I wanted to write on, which was Mage the Awakening. And the way that that worked was the developer was looking for freelancers for that specific project. I wasn't cold submitting. I was submitting kind of to an all call. But I had never written for RPGs before, but I had written before. Hmm. And I'd done technical writing. I had written a master's thesis. I write. I wrote all the time for myself, but I had never written stuff that was fiction that went in front of other people. And so when I wrote up my submission, I then sent it to one of my really good friends who reads a lot of fiction and has a really strong eye for like poignant prose and asked them to read over my submission and give me feedback. And he did. He gave me a lot of really strong feedback that was like, this is hard to parse or this is passive or, mm. you know, you know, this could be punchier, da, 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 da. And then I edited it and then I submitted it and it was accepted. And yeah. so that in, in itself is get other people to look at your work. Do not assume before you submit that your submission is beautiful, perfect, the most wonderful thing anybody's ever written. Um, it probably isn't, even if you write all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, um, and this is gut instincts, honestly, but no, I guess speaking also from my own experience, uh -huh. I think sometimes you can get so excited about sending a submission off that mm -hmm. you get to the end of it and you feel proud of what you've just put together. Yeah. Uh, you think, wow, I've, you know, I've just written a thousand really good ideas down. Uh, or well, not a thousand, but, you know, a thousand words worth of really good ideas. And I'm, you know, I'm going to send it off. It's never going to get better than that. And so we get that in our submissions mm -hmm. folder. We get your first draft. And yes, you could say, well, surely a first draft is what we want to see because your work is always going to come in first as a first draft. But you are trying to put your best foot forward. You're trying to impress. You're trying to show what you're capable of. And that means crank out what you think is your masterpiece. Sit on it for a few days. Revisit it. Find an RPG you really like. The one that you read easily, that you didn't find felt like an encyclopedia or math textbook, where you could just read through it and digest it and find it enjoyable. Put your work next to it. Mm. You're not trying to copy that, but you are trying to think, you're looking at that, you're, you're looking at one, you're looking at the other, looking at one, looking at the other, and you're thinking, does my work flow like this? Mm -hmm. Why, you know, why are they not using passive voice, maybe? Oh, why? Why have I used essentially call-out dialogue pieces where where the GM has to always narrate what the NPCs are saying? Whereas in this book, I really like it's just inferring 
what the NPCs are saying, that sort of thing. It, mm -hmm. You learn an awful lot, and I know it sounds utterly bland and mundane to say it, you learn an awful lot by reading and comparison. And I think enthusiasm, which is obviously a great thing to have, can also hamstring you somewhat and blind you to the fact that your your work needs more work before yeah. it's ready for other people's eyes. Yeah, I I um I have such a different story from both of you. Yeah. I've never submitted to Onyx Path. Well, uh, right, because you did editing first, right? Yeah. But it, even that, like I didn't approach Rose really. We were just talking on the phone one day because we're old friends. Uh and I I I mentioned that I was, you know, interested in getting into editing in general. I wasn't like specifically looking at the RPG industry at the time. In fact, my initial like things I was looking at were, you know, fiction, obviously, because a lot of people like if you read fiction, editing fiction sounds like fun. So like sci-fi fantasy or romance or something. Uh and also things like comic books was what I was more interested in at the time. But then she got me to do this. And then after a while, uh, I kind of was like, I want to I want to write on Cavaliers of Mars because I was super enchanted by that. I wrote up a little kind of a submission, I guess, for Rose specifically. Like it didn't go through the submission process. It was more like, hey, I wrote some words about a thing I thought was cool. Here you go. Look at these. Mm. And, and, they, and they they became half of uh, the the Witch Queen supplement for that that me and Steffi Devon wrote together. Um, and then from there, I was able to just kind of work on Bugmire and they came from and Vampire and all their stuff. Once, like especially once I was in house. Uh, but yeah, my like first few things were very like I didn't actually submit. <laughs> I was just kind of around and going like I wrote all through college. I could probably write here too. Yeah, that that's not a shortcut by any means. It's just networking. It's yeah. uh, it's another way of of getting yourself hired. And uh, I know before we started recording. You two were both saying how well networking's basically changed in the last handful of yeah. years. Oh, it has absolutely. Yeah. So networking, that's that's a big one because there's so much, you know, Dixie, you're right that uh, you know, a lot of people sometimes you get in because you know somebody, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I am developing the the Gloomhaven RPG. Um, I am doing that because I knew people. I did yeah. not apply for that job. Cephalofair did not put out an all call for somebody to come and project manage that book for them. Mm -hmm. It was a conversation at Gen Con I was not involved in. Somebody mm -hmm. came to me, said, hey, they, these people need some help. They connected us. I did an interview. They liked me. I got hired. That is networking. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like by by that measure, if one of if, if if like I or Matthew ends up writing on Gloomhaven or a supplement, it's probably because we know Danielle, right? Right. Like yeah, that's, it's that's just how this works. Right. Exactly. That is a hundred percent networking. Every, Monica Specka, I brought her in to help with mechanical design. That's why I didn't consulting. mention her because I assumed you already had. <laughs> right. I I had her. Uh, I have her consulting on Gloomhaven. That's a hundred percent networking. Right. So. That is the once you get your foot in the door, right. you can start networking. But how do you start networking before you start freelancing? Because it used to be, oh, you go to a convention and you meet some of the creators and you kind of form a bond with them or you give them a, a card or something like that. And now, you know, honestly, in 2024, 
going to a convention is a lot safer than it was in 2021 or 2020. You know, mm-hmm. you wear a mask, you know, you, you, if, you know, you get a flu or concrete or COVID or whatever, and you, you get some stuff and you get some long-term disabilities because of it and you move on with your shortened lifespan. But people are now going to conventions again. Gosh, that's bleak. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, it's it's the truth of our reality right now, though. You know, like right. I know that as 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 we're recording this, a lot of people are saying it's one of the larger COVID spikes we've had in the past few years. Right, but um, we're not having as many deaths. Instead, we're having right. just people being sick. But then we also are learning that the long term effects of having COVID are like literally shearing years off of people's life. Yeah. So. So that be careful said, if you decide to go back to conventions. Is what right. We're that said, there's a lot of risk for going to conventions. Conventions are not off the table, but there is a lot of risk involved. And there are people, especially who wind up in our freelancing circles, who cannot accept that kind of risk. People who oh, yeah. have weakened immune systems, people who are already disabled and having COVID is, you know, way worse for them than it is for anyone else. And those and people, and people who have partners or kids or whatever yep. that have those those same issues like yep. a lot of folks don't don't realize that like maybe you're you know perfectly healthy but if your partner's immunocompromised you can't you yep. can't risk that right so while conventions are still on the table for some people and that is a source of networking the 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 bleak truth is that for a large portion of our freelance industry Conventions are no longer on the table because a lot of our freelancers are freelancers because they need a job that they can do part-time at their own pace because they have a disability or because they have some other problem where they can't work in that situation. And I'm not saying that that's true for everyone, but it is a large portion of our freelance industry. So how do you network when you can't go to conventions? Well, there are other ways. Um, You know, a lot of companies have started to migrate to having a fully functional discord for their company and their projects. These are not fan run. These are run by the company themselves or Mm -hmm. creators themselves. Um, We link to ours every week in the show notes. We link to our discord every week in the show notes. Um, I am part of uh, several company discords. Uh, I'm part of the Fabula Ultima discord. I am in um, a couple of others. It is, if you like a company and you like what they're making, join their social media space, wherever that may be. Some people are, I do all of my social media on Tumblr. Okay, maybe go find them on Tumblr. Uh, Engage with them there. Maybe somebody's still using Twitter, X, whatever it's called. The website formerly known as Twitter. Uh, Maybe engage with them there if you can stomach it. Um, Some people have moved over to Blue Sky. I have a billion blue sky invite codes. If you need one, Same. just ask in the discord. I'll just drop them in the, in the path cast. Yeah. Welcome literally to have if anybody wants blue sky invite codes. I have so many that I'm just, I have on. so many and all of my friends are on blue sky now or Same. everybody who has one <laughs> want like ha- who everybody who wants one has one. And so I just have all these invite codes 
um, you're welcome to join us on Blue Sky where I don't post. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, some people have migrated there. I know that social media has kind of like exploded a little bit. Um, fine, but fine companies, the, the, the company that you like, that you maybe want to freelance for, find out where they're doing their socialization because they are, they are socializing. They want to have fan engagement. They want to market to people. And I know that, you know, you don't necessarily want to be marketed to, you want to be part of the, the creative process, but the only way to really engage with them is to meet them where they're at. So wherever they're doing their engagement, start engaging with them there, finding out their processes, you know, lots of companies will talk about this kind of stuff, how they hire freelancers, how they, uh, how they pick up people, how they want submissions or don't want submissions, et cetera, et cetera. They maybe even post all calls to their fan spaces where they are, they know their fans are because they want their fans to have first opportunity to work for them. So go engage with those people where they are. I know that's a lot of work and it's a lot more work than going to a convention where literally every company is representing themselves and you can hit every single company in one weekend. You could still hit every single company in one weekend. You just have a lot more like internet search like work. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think, I think the, the key to online networking is not to pester, but to be useful. It's, yeah. uh, it, the thing is, I, I absolutely understand why so many people think of networking, think of essentially doing things like moderating on, uh, let's say, company forums and things like that as essentially uh, unpaid work. Uh, the the reason I see it as a perfectly valid form of networking, uh, including engaging with people on social media to help promote their games, retweet what they're posting, leave reviews of games and things like that, is because you are you're trying to get your foot in the door you're trying to get yourself noticed you are also supporting something you presumably enjoy and you're doing it in a way that is hopefully benefiting both the people who are going to hire you and yourself uh and so yeah, going on social media and amplifying a company's post about this new release, it costs you nothing to do it except your time and energy, which can be more than some people are able to give. But if you can do it, if you can leave a, a review, even if it's not a particularly lengthy one, those things, especially if you do them in volume, can get yourself can get you seen. I think I remember one person once uh, saying, I don't know how to, I, I've done a couple of freelance projects for Onyx Path, but I don't know how to break into the clique that of regular freelancers. Uh, as if there is a clique. And in, in a way there might be. Uh, but it isn't there... one of, it isn't one where we're pushing people away. No, there, there's there is a barrier to becoming a relied upon, frequently hired freelancer, and while one could certainly argue 
the monetary benefits of writing do not justify this amount of time you do have to put in a lot of time to in my view to make yourself known like that if you don't know these people already also i think that some people misconstrue naturally formed friend groups as clickishness behavior you know yeah like they, they see it as a, they see it as ostracism yeah which isn't the, the point the point is that people work together enough and sometimes they become friends especially if you're going to conventions together and do everything like you know i met danielle for instance at gen con in 2017 and so i have now known danielle for you know seven years almost yeah. Right, before so we I ever am, worked together. Yeah, and and like, and like, I met Danielle because uh, I had other friends, Neil mm -hmm. and Megan, who were friends with Danielle from working with Danielle. Yep. And, but like, we became, you know, friendly and then friends um, over years. Yep. And so if people are like, oh, you know, Dixie, Danielle, and Matthew, and Eddie are like a, a, a click. It's like, well, we work really closely together, and we also genuinely like each other. <laughs> Yeah, it would be, it would be like, strange if we didn't yeah. uh, hang out together to a degree. Uh, I've I've hired people that I've uh, sometimes I've worked I've played with someone in an actual play or not even mm -hmm. necessarily a recorded actual play. Sometimes it's just a game we I've yeah. played online with someone, and I've said to them after the fact, I really like the ideas you came up with. Have you ever considered writing RPGs? And then yeah. they will either send a submission or it'll turn out they already have sent in a submission. And that might be all you need uh, to, again, get your foot in the door mm -hmm. and get your first gig. Sometimes it is down to something. It feels like chance, but it isn't because you have put yourself in the space where you can get hired. Right. Mm -hmm. And in that vein, right, when I first got my freelancing gig, I... I wasn't going to conventions. I couldn't afford it. I would have loved to go to conventions, meet people, do do networking that way, but I couldn't. So instead, I was following developers of books I liked on their social medias individually, mm. right? And so when one of the developers was like, I'm looking for new people to work on this book, I saw it immediately because... I was following that developer and engaging with that developer in their social space. I mean, that was live yeah. journal back in the day. Yeah. Let's talk about how long I've been doing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I didn't, I couldn't network through conventions. Not everybody can. Um, and so that is how I did it. And I'm not saying that everybody is going to do it that way, but there are ways to engage with people. In a way, that's the other thing is you could be friendly with people in their social media spaces and, you know, your social media friend, your social media person, and how you engage with people really influences whether or not they're going to look kindly on your submission. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for a little bit of how yeah. you comport yourself. We've talked a lot about, you know, sending in submissions and not mm -hmm. pestering people and, and engaging with people. But how you present yourself is really important because if I see somebody who's following me on Tumblr and the posts they make are always really, really intelligently, like there's, there's somebody on Tumblr that I, you know, 
I don't know if they create games or if they're interested in writing games, but if they applied, I'd be like, yeah, I'd give them a shot because I have been watching their Tumblr. We were mutuals on Tumblr and their ideas and how they comport themselves is really good. Tumblr is a, a shit posting website. So, I mean, they, they <laughs> shit posts, so like, don't feel like you can't ever be silly or make shit posts. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we're talking about games or the games that I create or the games that you're interested in, there's never like, oh, I'm just going to talk bad about this thing or talk about why it sucks or but da 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 da. But instead, be like, hey, I found this challenging. And these are ways that, uh, that I, not that I would improve it, but instead, these are, these are things, the reason that I think people have challenges and I am going to kind of break them down. And these are what challenged me or this is what I wasn't a fan of. There's a difference between saying, I didn't like X thing. That's totally okay. Please say that. And X thing sucks because X thing sucks is not an objective truth. It is a subjective truth. Yeah, that is something that I've been dealing with in my even just like personal reading recently. And that I am, I'm not going to name any names here, just be, keep it real vague. But I'm currently reading a series of books that I enjoy. Um, I, I reread the first few and now I'm catching up on the series because I had, I had missed the last couple of books, right? Mm -hmm. And like as I'm like... As I'm sitting here being really excited about these books and like talking to my boyfriend about them because he's also reading them and we're like, like he's he's all behind me. So I'm like, where are you at? You know, we're like having a good time with it. One of my friends out of nowhere on Facebook, like not directed at me because she can't have known that I was reading these because I haven't told anybody, was like, these books are atrocious and anybody that says otherwise is stupid, essentially. Right. And I was just kind of like, wow, that is a statement that hurts my feelings. And also insulting. And also, these are really well-known, best-selling fantasy novels. So clearly, your opinion is not shared by a lot of people. <laughs> but just, like, saying that is so weird. Like, I would not, like, I don't go on and just randomly say, like, X band is the worst band ever. Because I know I probably have friends that might like that band. And there's just no reason to say that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's totally okay to say, I didn't enjoy this thing. Yeah. And here are the reasons why I didn't enjoy this thing. Mm. Yeah, that's it, fine. Not the I don't like. <laughs> it's okay to state that you don't enjoy a thing and that these are the reasons why you don't enjoy a thing and yeah. pick apart, you know, give a critical analysis. Those are all perfectly fine. Yeah. But just objective, like, this is objective truth. This thing sucks. Anybody who does not agree with me is wrong and bad. And, like, unless we're talking about, like, things that have literally no stakes like it, it, there's no point in ever saying that because you're literally attacking somebody that even if you don't know you are and i yeah. mean you want to be aggressive go for it but people maybe aren't going to want to hire you if you're that kind of aggressive and the flip side of this that i'm going to say real quick before someone takes this in bad faith is that if you're saying like all nazis are bad that's fine you can say that we're talking yeah. about opinions that can be subjective or objective, mostly about art. We're not yes. talking about opinions on like people's human rights or things like that. I want to just make that very clear. Anyway, yeah. Matthew. Um, yeah, what was I going to say? The, uh, the, there's, there's a question of venue as mm -hmm. well when talking about oh, yeah. things like uh, criticism or well, yeah, your method of delivery. We've all had people come up to us at conventions, uh, but more more so in online space. I think we're used to it in online space. It's just so odd when it happens in person that someone comes up to you at uh, con and says, 
the the famed example is I really despise Vampire the Requiem. Thank you very much for bringing Masquerade back and this person saying it to a lot of people who have worked on Requiem and are in yep. fact very happy with their work on Requiem. Um, I I sometimes think because a lot of the time the same fans who hold these strident opinions are people who would love to work on these games. I mean, almost everyone who works in the RPG industry is a fan of RPGs. It's yeah. not the kind of industry you get into blindly. Uh, it's an industry you get into because you enjoy the hobby as a general yeah. rule. Um, and so I sometimes wonder if these people who come up to us to say, here's everything wrong with your game and how I would fix it, still think that the world works like a sort of 1940s, 1950s newspaper office where you walk up to the editor, slam down your briefcase and say, here's what's wrong with your paper and how I'll fix it in five easy steps, D. And the editor says, I don't like the way you carry yourself, son, but you got spunk. I, I, I'd like to see that spunk on the front page. And and, oh, that, no. and that's how the that's how they get employed in those movies. And I think there's still this classic mentality that if you can come in critical but confident. And this this works in sales, oddly. Uh, I mean it's a very different area. Um, it still works in that, but in publishing the idea of going up to creatives and I'm reading what my co-hosts are currently typing and they're very inappropriate right now. Uh, <laughs> if, they, if, if you go up to a creative and say, I don't like your work and I can do it better, fire me. Uh, I would say 99 times out of 100, they're going to say, all right, good luck. And maybe one time out of 100... They will hire you just so that you can so just to prove you wrong, <laughs> but I don't think those odds really work in your favor. Um, courtesy costs nothing. Constructive criticism is always much far preferable to blind hatred, and selecting the right venue for that is is always ideal when Dixie says, you know, someone going up and saying I don't like this thing yeah, if the conversation isn't even surrounding the critical mm -hmm. merits of the of the subject why mm. come in and as they say these days, the young people why yuck someone's yum go up to, going up to someone who's waxing lyrical about how they really enjoyed the fall of the House of Usher on Netflix and saying as as you yeah, and I both did yeah and and saying <laughs> um yeah well I thought it sucked it's uh Mike Flanagan's worst work everyone and it was terrible and if you if you enjoy it you're a complete moron well you've added nothing <laughs> yeah you've added nothing and and also I'm going to say that Mike Flanagan is a national treasure and can do no wrong <laughs> and therefore <laughs> <laughs> and, and therefore, I'm, if you don't like one of his works, that's a you problem and not a Mike Flanagan problem. I think that both of these takes are bad. <laughs> <laughs> because one is saying you're an idiot for not liking them, and the other one is saying you're an idiot for liking them. And those are both not what we want. We want nuance, people. Nuance. Yeah. <laughs> I do realize that Twitter is the death of nuance, but now Twitter is dead. So maybe we can bring nuance back. In, in our last 10 minutes, can we talk a little about the way to conduct yourself once you are hired? 
Yes, I have please, a, yeah, please, let's please. let's talk about that, and we can always talk more about the subject in the future, especially if anybody yeah. has questions. Uh, yeah, so... oh yeah, yeah. If you do have questions, by the way, because I know a lot of people tune out at like the fifty eighth minute. Um, I, I've checked the stats. Do <laughs> post in the Onyx Pathcast channel. We will either answer there or make a whole bloody episode of us. Yeah. <laughs> Especially so, once Eddie is back, because he has a longer career than any of us in this industry, yeah, so he's seen it yeah. change many, many times. Yeah. So um, let's talk about this because this is part of what spurned my my conversation. Spurned. Uh, my, my spurn. Spurned. Spurred. Spurred. Yeah. Spurred. Yeah. You know. Spurred. <laughs> spurred. Spurred. I didn't need to add the yeah okay. yeah like I was uh, galloping <laughs> ah, yeah. across the plains, but damn it, I am right now. Yippee ki yay, motherfucker. Anyway, this is what caused this. Um, I am I'm working on a project. I've got freelancers that are new to me, and um, they they came in really strong with with a selling themselves in a really strong way. I am worth mm-hmm. a lot more than you're offering me. I am I'm go you know I I don't work for this rate. Um, and I was like, okay, you yeah, don't work for this fine. rate. That's fine. Let's negotiate a new rate. Um, I, that's totally acceptable to do. Uh, let's you know I I made a, a counter offer. They said, yep, okay, I'll accept that new rate that you've offered. Perfect, great. And so I'm expecting these people who you know comport themselves as a a person of high value that is uh you know every time every place i'm getting hired is paying me more than this to to have a reason for that right a quality to them that warrants a high rate other than just i am a person in the industry who refuses to accept a a, a good rate by the way i was not offering a bad rate or even a low rate One or one groat i was offering above the industry standards so when every single person who asked me for that higher rate either ghosted the the first draft deadline did not turn in anything to spec or made assumptions about the first draft deadline and then last minute asked for an extension by three weeks, not even just a week or two, I was very disappointed in this outcome because I was expecting at the very least on-time work and if Mm -hmm. not on-time stellar. But I was not seeing either of these things from these people. So if you're going to sell yourself as a high-rate freelancer, somebody who deserves more than higher than the, the industry standard, you should be able to deliver on what I'm paying for. Mm. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I understand everybody says, you know, negotiate your rates, negotiate your rates, negotiate mm-hmm. your rates, but also right. recognize what is industry standard. And if somebody is offering you more than that, Maybe you don't need to negotiate your rates. It's okay to accept what somebody offers you if they're offering you, uh, you know, industry standard right now is like five, five cents a word ish. Um, it's some places offer a little lower rate for starting authors, mm-hmm. brand new author, untested, never done anything before. They're taking a risk on you that you're going to turn something in and that it's not going to take them eight years to to develop it. Yeah. So but they're probably also assigning you a smaller section to start with. 
Um, sure. Yeah. So that's that, that that's something that, that that we at least do a lot of times is if we're yep. taking someone on as essentially a test case, like from a submission, we've never had any of their other work, they don't have anything published on Storyteller's Vault for us to look at, all that, you know, um, then we like might throw them like a 5K section. Yep. And 5,000 words. That, and like I can write 5K in a matter of hours, but most yeah. people can, um, especially if you are familiar with the material. Uh, so like that's that's not a big ask, especially since if you get another project with the same person, they're probably going to immediately give you a raise, right? Um, because once you're past that that first trial piece, <laughs> we're going to bump you up a little bit for your next right. piece, and you might get more word count, which means more money. So right, you know. yeah. So so some places will pay a little lower. Uh, for very first, you've never done anything. Don't right, like Dixie said, don't have anything to show. Storytellers Vault or other projects that you've worked on, even if they're just fan projects, uh, something to show that you've worked with somebody else in a capacity, um, know how to write to spec, that kind of thing. Th then, yeah, some people will offer a little lower rate. Industry standard, though, is around five cents a word mm -hmm. for for most tabletop RPGs. That's way lower than like anything you're going to see on the editorial side of things. So if you're writing, uh, articles for magazines or news news outlets you're going to be making more per word for that if you're writing novels you're making more than that like tabletop rpg industry is a kind of a boutique industry despite what you may think because of wizards of the coast there's just not a lot of word count and money to go around if you get hired at wizards of the coast they're probably going to be paying you 15 20 cents a word they do not set the industry standard because they're not hiring a whole lot of freelancers. And they're well, not, also... Not, not since the golden age of RPGs came to an end. Oh, yes, that's true. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, there, was a, for, just so, there, there was a mildly viral post going around on like Facebook recently that was about that. And a lot of uh, people some... have since disputed it. Well, and, and I, I saw another one. I'll talk about it later, but... Yeah, I, we don't there's have more of that later going to on. go, so we might end up doing. No, no, I'm into you too. Uh, I, I, oh, it okay. asked me about it in the Pathcast channel on the Discord, and it's I'll talk about gossip. yeah, some some hot gossip about the industry right now. That isn't really gossip; it's just people being D and D pilled that just assume that that's the only thing the industry is. Okay, so one of the things that. Uh, that you can do is, you know, you get your foot in the door and, you know, know what the industry standard is. If somebody's offering you 10 cents a word, that's higher than industry standard. For, for the most part, there are very few companies who can afford to pay you 10 cents a word, especially if you're a starting or new author with them. 15 cents a word is like really really good 20 cents a word the only people who are paying that are wizards of the coast or really tiny really really tiny indie press who are giving you 500 to a thousand words and the yeah. reason they can afford to give you 20 cents 25 cents a word is because they're only paying you a hundred dollars because you wrote a thousand words yeah and also a lot of the places that i mean it, it is awesome if a company can afford to pay more that's great yeah. i am very happy for them but a yeah. lot of people who do that are people who have been saving and working on a thing for like three years yes and it's the only book they're going to put out for the next three to five years right so you're not going to necessarily get a lot of repeat business with them mm -hmm. 
take that work. Absolutely. If they're offering it to you. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But just know that that's not going to be your, like, you're not going to be able to quit your day job because you're making 20 cents a word every time you freelance when you freelance once a year at 20 cents a word for 2000 words. Mm, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think um, I've seen some of our, well, some of my colleagues over the years say, you know, I'd much rather work regularly for slightly less uh, than we yes. yeah, work once a year for slightly more and i think that's uh you know in the in the great scheme of we we all want to earn more money of course that may mm-hmm. not feel terribly satisfying but uh, at the same time the realities of the industry as it is today do dictate that you um there, there are some companies that aren't going to pay as much as you might want Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in those cases you can absolutely as a freelancer especially if you're just getting into the industry and you're not sure uh, you can either accept what's being offered you can negotiate it and if you really don't feel your services are worth the amount that's being offered you can walk away and there's no shame in that I think there's uh, in fact it is a lot better if you're genuinely unhappy with what's being offered for you to walk away early Yes, absolutely. To be absolutely miserable on a project, um, mm-hmm. or you know, or deliver poor work because you don't think you're being paid for your best. Um, uh, I appreciate we are very, very close to time, but something I've um, always advocated, I know, isn't always easy for people, is whether it's money related, whether it's project related, whether it's team related or just your personal circumstances if you are struggling on a project and i think this is especially pertinent for for new freelancers people new to the industry there is zero benefit to suffering in silence no one is going to appreciate that or value you more for uh, busting a gut and having a nervous breakdown after doing so because you couldn't ask for help um or inform your developer or a co-writer that i need help with this thing and again i say i absolutely aware some people can't some people will find themselves unable to ask for help but the hope has to be and my advice has to be that if you start your work early enough uh or you've plotted it out early enough and you can identify where those pinch points are going to be, that you can, even if it's not an art, a, a desperate request for help, you can send a list to your developer and say, I just need some points of you know guidance mm-hmm. on this, 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 and this. So helpful. And it also marks you as a freelancer, as someone who is communicative. The, the biggest strength of any freelancer, the one that, I should say, the biggest strength no one talks about next to quality, ability to hit deadlines, is the ability to communicate mm-hmm. um, within the team or to the developer, because it means that you will be hopefully receptive to feedback, but most importantly, tell us when there's anything that could interfere with your process. Yeah, I mean, I I just finished my, um, not just, but, you know, in the past month or so, finished my drafts for Curious Cats of Mal, the uh, new edition of Monarchies of Mal. 
And I, in my first drafts, I had little comments that I, I left specifically for Lauren and Eddie going like, I'm not sure what you'd like me to do here. Please give me advice. Yeah. Um, and then I will implement it in my second draft, you know? And also, if you don't, like, there were, there were a couple of small, like, 200-word sections that I just didn't write in my first draft because I, I, I needed more help with them. Um, and I also said, like, I can do a third draft if you need me to. I, I was very much saying, like, I realize this is a me problem. I am open to fixing this, you know? Uh, luckily, I didn't have to. But I always try to be, like, open to whatever guidance people want to give me. Um, I've been very lucky in that I have never gotten heavy red lines. Um, I think it's because technical writing, just like with Danielle, is kind of my forte. <laughs> uh, didn't 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 write nearly as as, as large of a uh, thesis situation, but wrote a lot of papers. Um, and so that's that's what I'm better at is just getting information across in a very clear way. Um, but th that said, you know, I, I have gotten feedback that was like, please redo a bunch of this in a different format. Um, one of the biggest things that I like to do, and this is just a, a tiny bit of advice for anybody that works for any of us, is when I get a section, especially one that has specific like headers, I go through and I, I immediately put all of the headings I know I'm going to need into my thing. Mm. And all, there's like copy paste sections as in like stat, stat blocks I have to fill in. I put all of those in already. And then it looks like I've just written 1200 words. Yes, you you've. Hill blink page syndrome. It's yeah, and I, and I didn't have to do shit. You make the skeleton. You make mm -hmm. the skeleton yep. of your draft before you start sticking the meat on it. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it, I absolutely agree. It's one of the greatest things that a, any freelancer of any experience can do to give them the impetus to start. Mm -hmm. It's laying out their work before they start writing it. Yeah. Uh, then you're and just filling in blanks rather and than looking at an empty page yeah and most of our stuff that you would be writing for you're going to have after your outline very specific you know headers so like if i looked at my outline for curious cats for instance since this is a second edition it's not exactly spoilers but you know i've got house as a big header and then house angora and all the different houses and then under each of those there's a character creation section and there's my backgrounds and my callings and like those have subheaders as well sometimes tricks have subheaders and like filling out all of those just words that you see in larger fonts throughout the book really is like if my word count is fifteen thousand words that is gonna do about a tenth of the work for me and that makes it very easy to do a lot of the rest of it so yeah no that is that is a, a, a trick I very much like. And as they were saying, also being re receptive to feedback and communicative. Uh, a lot of our books now, we have discords for the individual books. Um, so like I am in the, you know, realms of Pugmire Discord. So we could go in there and talk in the individual chapter channels. Uh, and that's really useful because like we were trying to update one of the callings and the person working on the magic systems and myself who was working on character creation had to kind of negotiate how that was going to work you know um and then of course we had we, we could call in our developer lauren roy if we needed her to settle something not like an argument but more like a which which of these options do you prefer um so having those conversations is really really useful because at the end of the day uh pretty much any book we make aside from the occasional like tasty bit or jumpstart or something but almost every book we make is going to be a collaborative effort between at least two authors mm. like at at at, at the minimum um, and then most of them are going to be collaborations between eight to 15 writers, I, I would say. 
Um, and so ha like talking to each other is important. And I'll admit, I'm not always great at answering email, partially because of my neurodivergence. But having like a Discord is really helpful for me. Because typing in Discord doesn't feel like answering an email in terms of how hard it is. And I don't know why that is. Uh, it's because my brain is broken. But yeah, de definitely talking to other people, asking questions. And if you think you're going to need an extension, asking for that as soon as possible yeah. is really helpful. Like sometimes you need an emergency extension and we get that. Um, but sometimes you are, you know, a week out from deadline and you haven't really gotten much work done on it. And you realize you still have this many X words to write. And you're just like, I'm not going to get this done between this and my day job or whatever else. So just to talk, to tell your developer. We're very cool about it. We're not going to give like everybody a month, but we might give a few people, you know, an extra week or so here and there. Steve, is there anything else about your experiences recently you want to talk about before we uh, wrap this up since we're getting toward the end? Not a whole lot. I think we covered a lot of it. Um, uh, you know, th the biggest thing is for me, as Matthew said, communication. Communicating with the people who hired you. If you are having an issue, reach out to them before it becomes a real problem. If you're having a life event, your life is so much more important than whatever book. Um, most people in this industry are really sympathetic to, I got sick, a family member died, I'm having a mental health bad day, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, reach out to them, they're going to be sympathetic to you, and if you need an extension, they'll probably give it to you, rather than saying, oh, you, you suck go away like that's probably not gonna happen yeah like at at, at most if, if something truly devastating happens and you're like i can't do this anymore we might be like you know give me what you have and i'll pay you for partial mm -hmm. or do you need to be yep. taken off the project entirely and do i need to hire somebody new um that's also like we're if somebody just ghosts us we're probably never gonna hire them again if they come I to us and say hey you know my house burned down or you know my friend passed away or whatever it is um and i've i've written 6k of my 12k do you mind if i just give this to you and someone else finishes it or you know like or and, I, and I i haven't even gotten a chance to start yet but this thing happened and now i can't do it we're yeah, still likely I mean, to talk to you in the future <laughs> And and even if we don't hit, like, we're not at deadline, but we're, you know, I send a two-week warning. I like to send a two-week warning just to kind of remind everybody that, hey, you, you agreed to do this project. And if you haven't started yet, you better now. Um, and sometimes I'll be like, and, and I say, now's the time. If you don't think you're going to make it, reach out to me. And I'll, I'll get a lot of people reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, I haven't started yet and I have a bunch of stuff coming up next week and I think I'm actually going to need more time. Totally okay. Cool. Just thank you for letting me know. Let me know two weeks in advance. That's great. I can plan for that. It's okay to reach out and be like, hey, I dropped the ball. I forgot about the deadline. Ah, I have been having a really bad mental health episode. I've been sick I've been it doesn't matter to me what the reason is you forgot I, that's okay let me know and let me know what your projected timeline is and I will probably be fine with that I will not look down on you for saying I forgot I will I forget all the time 
it, it's a thing that happens to all of us. So it doesn't have to be some life altering crisis that people will be sympathetic to. It had to be something as simple as I was derpy and wrote the wrong date down. Or I mm -hmm. forgot to write the date down. And your two week reminder is the only reason I remember that I even had this project. That's okay. I have had that happen to me. I have nightmares about that happening to me, but I've had that happen to me. So I understand if you reach out in that thing and go, oh crap, I totally forgot. I'm going to get started now. I should be able to get it done in two weeks, but maybe I'll need an extra week. Cool. Thank you for letting me know. But if mm -hmm. you are struggling to write, if you are staring at a blank page and you don't know what to do and you're struggling and you're struggling and every single day you open it up, you stare at it for four hours, you close it, you do that the next day. That's writing, by the way. Uh, but you've been writing on this thing for weeks and weeks and you, you haven't really gotten very far. That's also a good reason to reach out because whatever is blocking you, I can probably help you through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I've had many developers over the years when I've kind of been like, I'm flailing a little bit. They're like, okay, well, have you done this? And I'm like, no, I didn't think about that, you know? Um, and that's, that's really helpful. When I was looking for, uh, like, even little stuff, like, there was something that Lauren wanted me to fill in in my Monarchy's draft recently, and mm -hmm. she gave me page numbers to the original book. And I thought to myself, huh, I must have just missed that when I read it. But now I know exactly where to look, and this is going to be incredibly easy. And it was. Right. Right. And sometimes you struggle and you don't know why you're struggling, but then you explain it to someone else. And the explaining, just having somebody to listen helps you kind of unwind it yourself. And sometimes you explain it and that person goes, oh, I know exactly what the problem is. Here, let me help you. You couldn't see it because you were too close to it, but this person was far enough away that they could pick it up immediately. And now mm -hmm. it's been fixed and now you can move forward. So do not be afraid if you're struggling. Like It's not a failing on yourself to struggle. Everybody does it. Creative work is difficult. Anybody who tells you that it's super easy, barely an inconvenience, anybody could do it, <laughs> do not listen to them. Actually, it's going to be super easy, barely an inconvenience. Don't listen to those people. It is difficult. <laughs> it's taxing. It's mentally taxing. Sometimes it can be physically taxing. And also some work. projects are going to be easier than others. Like Absolutely. I find, I found writing on uh, The Game From Beyond the Grave to just happen. Like I, I, I sat down at my laptop. I usually had a glass of wine because it loosens up my, my, my brain when I'm writing more humorous things. Um, and I just wrote and I was laughing at my own jokes the whole time. I was like, this is great. This is so much, so much fun. Writing for Scion, uh, the Demigod was me looking at a bunch of scholarly sources and trying to figure out what would make the most fun for a game, what made the most sense with the already, you know, established stuff. And it was fun, but it was more like academic work. Um, for all that, you know, we always say that it's, it's, it's not an, an academic text. It's not, but it's based on real world myths. And I wanted to do those myths justice. Uh, whereas Beyond the Grave, I was like, I'm writing three kinds of vampires. They've all got to be different and weird. So, you know, there's, it's, it's just a very different vibe. I find writing for Pugmire very soothing uh, because I really, really love and care about the world. I found writing for Vampire a little more difficult because Vampire mm -hmm. the Masquerade has such a long history that kind of going like, what can I do to make this new and interesting was really hard for me. So, yeah. Yep. So anyway, uh, 
I think that we are coming to the end of our episode this for this week. Yeah. And we like we 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 may talk about this more because there's so much. Yeah, I was just about to say there's a lot we haven't covered. There's a lot that we could still talk about. If you have questions about, you know, the things we said or things we didn't cover because I know there's things we haven't covered about freelancing and being in the industry, pop them in the Pathcast uh Discord um we'll try to get to them also you know let's do the thing dixie if people want to ask you questions personally where can they find you <laughs> the best place to ask me questions personally is still on the discord uh but you can find me on my social media as dixie cyanide um although i'm not as super active on there i have for some reason fallen back into looking at reddit all the time now that uh twitter is a wasteland so who knows find me on reddit mm -hmm. i guess same username <laughs> uh in matthew where could folks find you well now that dixie's moved over to reddit i feel like i should be uh revitalizing live journal but for the time being they can find <laughs> me on the onyx path discord on twitter uh, whatever the hell at dawkins mp and of course if they want to email me via matthewdawkins.com and if you want to ask me questions again you can find me at daniellozon.com on the Onyx Path Discord, and I am in most social media sites as at Impernius. Um, I have been looking at Tumblr a lot recently, so find me there, and I will probably go back and forth with you about D&D, fourth edition D&D game design. I don't know why that's the topic <laughs> right now, but it is. <sighs> all right. Um, so that's it for this week, and I hope you all got something out of this informative uh and if you enjoyed it you can give us a tuppence as <laughs> I always at least a groat a groat please always pay me in groats you know one of my favorite uh forms of dismissal in old english is i do not give a tuppenny jizz uh, a, for your for your opinion a tuppenny jizz a tuppenny jizz a tuppenny jizz so, yes is that that's uh is that like a flying fuck only way nicer i mean it pretty it's it's basically um we may want to cut this bit it's basically a hand job for two pence <laughs> yeah so, assumed uh... so <laughs> no i'm leaving that in anyway danielle say the catchphrase <laughs> oh yes as always a mini worlds one path cast <laughs>